Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something trans woman shares her observations, life stories, and the adventures of her journey through transition and beyond. And now, here she is, your host, Sabrina Miller. All right, all right. Thank you, thank you. Yes, yes. Really, it's not all that. It's nice to see you again. Thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. And I'd like to thank the band. You guys are always great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, all right. Hey, welcome to episode two of Changes in Latitudes. I really appreciate you coming back for more. And uh, if you if you heard the first episode, um, well, chances are I'm going to take it down eventually. So uh, consider yourself lucky. You know, it's one of those... Uh, you know, secret Easter egg things, I guess. And uh, so it was It was just a test to get the uh, bugs worked out, get the feed set up, and, and you know, all the behind-the-scenes stuff for podcasting. But in this episode, this is the first and formal episode where I've got something laid out to talk about. And this one happens to be all about me. Uh, because I figured it would be best to talk about me and let you know more about me right off the bat. So uh, let's just get into it. All right. Uh, well, let's start off with just a little more generalized thing. Being transgendered. Being transgendered is something that is in you from the beginning. You're born that way and you spend your time figuring it out and uh depending on upbringing and culture and environment and a whole bunch of other factors it can take you some time to to get to that to understanding it to essentially coming out uh, to yourself that's the first first step is you come out to yourself and then you come out to you know close loved ones friends etc and then the circle just expands from there, uh, whether it's more friends, more family, everybody's different, but that it just moves outward from you. Uh, that's the first thing. And uh, the first, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but the first inkling I could remember of, ha- of ever really, and this is in the late 70s, and you don't call it questioning your gender. Uh, you know, you just thought you were different and you couldn't figure out why. And I was, I think I was about six, maybe seven. In fact, for the sake of argument, I'll even say as old as eight. Uh, but I have a feeling I was closer to six. And I remember, um, my mother was making dinner in the kitchen and I walked up to her and said, um, mom, am, am I gay? With no, you know, opening to it, you know, just flat out straight to it. Um, you know, nothing like, hey, I saw this or I thought this or somebody said or whatever. And uh, and I asked her and the, the answer back was no, because that's what you would say back in the 
late 70s, early 80s. And I don't remember exactly what prompted it. Um, I got a couple ideas. Uh, it, it could have been something I saw on television because at that time in the late 70s, early 80s, there was the big AIDS scare, uh, AIDS epidemic as as it was put at the time. Uh, uh, and homosexuality in general, uh, more so gay men than uh, lesbian women, but still, uh, were uh, more people knew about it because there were there were people that still lived in denial that there were you know homosexual people you know in the world, and so at that time of our culture, it it really got thrown into the faces of everybody, you know. Um, uh, both positive and negative, more so negative, but uh, it, it turned around eventually. And so, um, so it could have been that, or uh, I was bullied in uh, school. Uh, specifically, I remember um, kindergarten and first grade, and it was it was horrible. I mean, well, any sort of bullying is horrible, but um, it. Uh, uh, to not to get into too many details, but uh, I, I would be uh, waiting after class like with everybody. You, you wait in the waiting area with all your other classmates. And uh, this particular school had, uh, it was, uh, I was lucky enough at the time to go to a private school. And uh, it had grades K through 12. It was a full, full school. I think it even had pre-K, um, but nonetheless, it had K through 12. And so there was times, you know, the older kids would mingle or cross paths with the younger kids. And so um, when that would happen on occasion, well, more often than not, uh, they would they would pick on the younger kids, bully them. And it was myself and, I don't know, three, four, five other people, uh, kids, that they would, you know, pick on, bully, uh, beat up, push around. And for myself and at least the guy standing next to me, I didn't, it's not like I, you know, stood up and took notes. Um, we were, uh, need into the groin, <laughs> you know, uh, they need us. And this was, this is a repeated offense and uh, at a private school, nonetheless, you'd, you'd think there'd be better, you know, supervision, but it, it's too long ago to remember any of those details, but nonetheless, it happened. And so that was, so it could have been uh, just that bullying and being called, you know, sissy and faggot and all, all those wonderful terms that are thrown around. Uh, and so it could have been that that made me prompt, that prompted me to ask my mother that question. I, I, I don't know for sure, but that's what I've narrowed it down to. Um, uh, the next thing that I that I'll bring up is, uh, and, and I'm usually asked, is you know when did you try on women's clothing? When did you first cross dress? And everybody's different. Um, some people, you know, as young as they remember, and others, other transgendered uh, women in this case, never. You know. So for me, I was again, it's kind of foggy. Uh, I was about ten, eleven. Uh, I'll even say maybe twelve. Um, and it was repeated, so it could have happened in that entire two years anyway. In fact, I'm sure it did. But it's, but the youngest, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 10. Um, could even have been 9, but I'm going to say 10. And it had to have been the summertime because nobody was home. People were working. Uh, I, I was home alone. I, I had 
Uh, and I was trusted enough to be left home alone. So, you know, I was older. So that's why I'm saying as young as 10, because it was only for like about four or five hours. Uh, you know, nothing outlandish. Um, uh, and uh, so I had these, uh, you know, this time to myself. And it's not like I had any extra money to go down to the store or the, you know, the arcade or anything like that. Not that I would want to. Um, and I didn't really have any of those gaming systems growing up, so I had, didn't have the need. Um, and so one afternoon, I remember going into the laundry. Um, I don't remember if it was dirty or clean. I'm pretty sure it was clean. And uh, found some simple dress and some pantyhose and some bra, you know, nothing, you know, just everyday wear from my mother, and took it into my room. Now, mind you, I'm the only one home, but nonetheless, I needed the secrecy of being in my room, um, just the way the mind works. And I put it on, put them on, and I remember the very first thing I remember, I mean, I kind of remember the outfit. It was black with... Uh, with some flowery uh, trim. Uh, it's kind of a sundress sort of thing. And uh, uh, cotton, I believe. I, I don't remember, remember anything more than that. And uh, I, the big thing I do remember is I, I needed and wanted boobs just to fill out the, the, the dress better. And so... Um, I, I, again, I don't remember the sequence of events. It probably happened over the course of a couple days. But uh, I appropriated some water balloons. I have a feeling I went down to the store, the, you know, the local 7-Eleven or convenience store or something, and purchased a pack for, you know, buck or two, whatever it was, and uh, brought it home and used it. And, of course, you know, always thinking that, well, what if they pop? That's going to be a mess, and how am I going to dry it? And then I remembered, oh, we have a dryer, and then there's a hair dryer, so I knew I could get it back to its original condition and location before anyone came home. Um, and so that went on for a while. And at one point, I remember... Uh, keeping whatever clothing it was at the time, uh, again, nothing specific that I can remember, but I remember keeping it in my closet, hidden in the back of the closet or something for a while, and then eventually putting it back, or maybe my mom found it and, you know, thought my sister uh, used it, because I have two older half-sisters, and uh, there was an occasion when, uh, well, both of them at different times, um, you know, would uh, be over and spend the night and, um, you know, borrow clothes and things like that. You just, it's, that's what, that's what family does. And so that's what, uh, that's what I remember from the very first time. And like I said, that went on for a while, but eventually when I reached my early to mid teens, I'll say about 14 ish, uh, I just, because of culture and society and family upbringing, I, you know, started feeling that shame and that humility that a lot of a uh, lot of us feel, and not sure how to handle it, not sure how to deal with it, because it's not something you're really going to talk about to well anybody. But you know, I didn't know in my own mind what it meant, so I just kind of packed it away and went on with you know life at the time. Until I was in my, uh, I want to say I was about 21, maybe maybe late 20, maybe almost 21, somewhere in there. And the urge, the desire came up again. And the girl I was seeing, I, I had brought it up to her. 
that it's something I'd thought about and something I had tried before and this, that, and the other thing, and that I'd like to try it again. And great, gratefully and gracefully, she was open to it. Because um, I know there's a lot of women at the time that would probably be no and you know run the other direction. So, and uh, in hindsight, I look back and I'm grateful. And so, um, one evening, one weekend, I don't quite remember those details, but we got together, and uh, she came over to my place and brought you know whatever she had and did the full nine yards did uh, she brought a wig a couple different wigs but ended up using one and uh makeup and it was just it was just uh an amazing experience and uh of course took photos and this is <laughs> this is taking photos before digital photos there, there were no digital photos. Well, I shouldn't say there were no digital photos. Digital photos were only available by scanning a photo. Um, if there were digital cameras around at the time, which I'm sure there were, but they were so high end that not everybody had them. They were, you know, the for elite people. So, so it took a while to get the pictures back. So, you know, you had that anticipation of waiting for the film to develop. And I think, I think we, you know, 48 hours is what we ended up waiting. Cause it was a 24 hour photo mat and or something like that. I, I don't, again, I don't specifically remember. It was quick enough at the time, but and I just remember uh, looking at the photo, the one specific photo and just being mesmerized, awestruck, and inside feeling the uh the the rightness of it the correctness of it you know how uh how it was you know uh, that it should be is it, it's very hard to put into words uh but i remember thinking that when i saw those pictures and um at that point, I continued to dabble with it, uh, never venturing outside. Uh, I could never cross the threshold. The furthest I went was a walk out to the car and back again uh, with said girlfriend at the time. And so it was just I, I couldn't get over those nerves of being seen that way. Uh, and, th and that was definitely due to um, culture, society at the time. Um, and for me specifically, family. Um, a lot of the shame and the humility came from, well, the easiest way to sum it up is um, all my life, I was told that, you know, I was my father's son and I was my mother's little boy. And as I mentioned a moment ago, I have two older half sisters and uh, they're 11 and 12 years older than I am. So by the time I was, you know, of any age, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, um, they were out of the house on their own lives. So, um, so hearing that, you know, uh, all your life, most of your life, you, you get this, uh, thought, this feeling, this complex. And so a couple, a couple with the fact that, uh, oh, I'll just say my father didn't have a very positive look on, uh, gay men. Which is which is where I was thinking I might be, but then again, I'm not really attracted to men. 
And and there'll be more on that later. I don't know if it's going to be in this episode or not. It'll probably be another episode. Yes, it'll definitely be another episode. But um, throughout my 20s, like I mentioned, I dabbled in it um, on and off, always behind closed doors uh, with with a longing, a desire to, to go out, but not knowing where to go, not knowing how to feel about it. It was just it was just overwhelming, uh, totally overwhelming. And then due to life and uh, the the personal relationships and things, um, I kind of went back into the closet again and packed up the clothes and didn't throw them away. Um, I never, never really threw them away. There was a lot of, lot of stories that I've read and heard where the uh, individual tosses everything in hopes to get rid of it, to shed it. I, on the other hand, never did. I just kind of packed it away and tucked it away and let it sit. And it, uh, every once in a while, pieces would come out. Um, never full makeup or, you know, hair or anything like that. Pieces here and there. Um, well, I shouldn't say never hair or makeup, but that was few and far between. And then I uh, reached my late 20s and was in uh, another relationship with a woman, a different woman. and. Uh, told her about my cross-dressing and from the very beginning she knew about it she was open to it and so uh, as we explored it um i mean we were together seven years um as we explored it she was able to help me across that front door threshold and uh although the uh, relationship didn't turn out very well that's the one thing i am very grateful for uh from her is that she helped me be able to, you know, get out into the world and overcome those fears. And that actually led me to, in a, somewhere around 2003, m- trying to make a decision that I was going to transition. It was something that I wanted to do, and I made an attempt. I tried for three, about three and change months, almost four months. And then, uh, predominantly due to the fact I couldn't really find a job, I had to stop. I couldn't continue with uh, transition at the time because, uh, well, the support wasn't there here in, in San Diego. Um, the uh, at that time, the T of LGBT was it was there, but the resources weren't. Um, the support wasn't what needed to be. It was still it was still a new, new quote unquote new thing. Um. It, in the in the general sense, in the larger sense of the of the of the thought process, and so the information wasn't there. Plus, the internet wasn't what it is now, where there's tons of information. In fact, the word transgender was really just coined. It was really just starting to take off in, into pop culture, and so. Uh, I couldn't get a job, and then uh, relationship issues, and uh, internal issues. You know, did I really want to transition? Did did uh, was it just a was it just the, uh, something that should stay behind closed doors? I mean, all these thoughts went through my mind, and so I essentially, you know, packed it all away from about 2004 2005 until 2013 uh well t- 
technically 2012 because um, the uh, desire and the urges came back, and so I dug it out when I had some alone time, and it felt good. It felt nice. It felt as a as an old friend. And so it was around that point I started, you know, really thinking about where does this fit into my life? And I, I thought about it, Christ, for a good good year and a half, if not longer. And, well, definitely longer. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely longer. And so it was a series of three events that brought me to really make the decision. And this is the order that they happened in. Um, it was my 40th birthday. Birthday? Can I speak? <laughs> it was my 40th birthday. That's better. And the the old adage of, you know, you're not getting any, any younger really hit me. And I started seriously thinking about, you know, what do I want to f- do with the rest of my life? And shortly after that, about a month and a half after that, um, my son was born, and it was, as it always is, a life-changing experience, but it was it was just magical. And I, I had an internal um, uh, completion go, you know, happen. It was like an internal check mark on the, the, the to-do list of life happened. It was it was it was very surreal, and I remember being in the hospital because uh, we stayed there for two days after the delivery on their cot. Oh man, what a what a cot! Um, and I remember lying there and just you know feeling that check mark happening. It was very surreal, and then uh, four months after my son was born my uh, mother passed away and uh i mean all the typical you know loss of a parent feelings that i i believe everyone goes through along with everyone's own unique individual uh feelings and emotions that they go through because of the relationship the individual relationship that a child has with their mother um i went through for about 6 months and during those six months, it was it was very weird. It was uh, partially, you know, the loss, the sorrow, the grief, the pain, you know, all of that. Uh, after that, a, a a sense of relief, um, for myself. I mean, yes, and and my mother. She she was suffering near the end, uh, health wise. Um, but a sense of relief for me. And it was as almost like a light switch went off. And I said, this is what I need to do. And so somewhere around, somewhere around July 30th, August 31st of 2013, somewhere in that month, I came out to myself. Um, I can't have a specific date because it was, it's just a process. And Again, in hindsight, I think I've been coming out to myself uh, for the last, well, now, 11 years. <laughs> it's uh, because uh, just recently in uh, in one of my therapy sessions with my uh, therapist, <laughs> um, 
we were talking about um, transitioning and and uh, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out the words to say this. Not necessarily going stealth, you know, where you blend in, but you know how how well are you acclimated? I guess is the best way to say that. And so um, during that conversation, I realized that my brain has my subconscious has been working on this whole coming out transition process for the last 11 years after I made it made the the uh, attempt then so so this is this is I mean when people say it's a journey yeah it is absolutely a journey and it's I mean life is a journey but this the transition the transgender journey is one hell of a journey so um so I came out, I officially, in my mind, came out to myself, uh, and I'm pegging it somewhere between July 30th and August 31st of 2013, and that's just because of what was going on in my life at that time. And then on September 7th, uh, 2013, I came out to my wife. Um, we were still, you know, getting over the uh, the birth of our son, which had, at that point had happened uh, almost a year before, and you know the lovely one year olds, and so we had gone out on a date night, and and something real simple, not not in anything you know elaborate. I mean, really, we went out for uh, some Greek food, and then we crossed the parking lot over to TGI Fridays for some drinks. And it was over drinks that I told her. I said, uh, "This is this is what I want. I I want to you know live." And at the time, I said, "Live outwardly as a woman," um, and that was just the easiest way to express it at the time. Um, and she went through her own process, and she was she was hurt, and she was sad, and she was upset, and she, she went through her process. I mean, she still is, just like I'm, you know still coming out and be just beginning transition. And so, um, but overall she has been amazing. Uh, and my number one cheerleader and I have so much to thank her for. Uh, she truly is an amazing, amazing woman. And, uh, so, so I came out to her on the 7th of September and then due to, um, well, the holidays and we were moving at the time due to all that, uh, I put my, uh, coming out on hold, coming out publicly on hold until we got resettled in, in the new place. And so, um, that took us from, uh, September through till February of 2014. And then, uh, during February, early March of 2014, I sent out uh, formal uh, letters, you know, through the snail mail, United States Postal Service, to um, all my family and um, uh, close, close friends, people I would consider family. And so, um, uh, in that time that we were moving between September and February, uh, 2013 to 2014, it, it, it again gave my brain a chance to digest and, um, really just kind of digest the fact that, yes, I did say this. Yes, I do want to do this. I'm going to do this. And it 
putting putting it on hold for just a couple months while we did all that you know stuff really was was awesome because well one it got me a chance to kind of slowly uh get back into the swing of 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 the clothes that I had and the styles that I had from 10 years ago and just you know restart my brain you might say but more importantly it gave my wife a chance to be introduced at a, at a at a reasonable pace to my feminine side i'll sum it up and say that um because even though she knew i cross dressed and i had mentioned to her well probably for a year or so before i came out to her that you know hey i'd like to dress again she's always been supportive but due to um uh, I, I won't get into the details with that, but due to her personal history and my personal history uh, uh, regarding cross-dressing, um, sep- separate personal histories, uh, it was just a topic that wasn't breached. It just, we never got around to it. So it was a slight shock to to her, but like I said, she she came around and uh, has come around and is coming around and will be around and is my number one cheerleader. It's I'm very blessed and lucky. So it gave us a chance to, um, to do that and, and really reconnect. It was, it was awesome. It was, it was a good uh, reconnection bonding moment with her. And so, um, so I sent out the letters and then, uh, as I stated in the letter, um, I was, I called everybody. And if I remember correctly, there was 60 uh, something. No, 40 something. I don't know. I can't remember. It was too long ago. Uh, it was a lot of letters. And I mean, yes, they all said the same thing, but there were elements in there that were personalized. There was basically, uh, well, bas- basically each letter contained a, a paragraph, you know, five, six sentences that was personalized to the individual reader. So it wasn't just, you know, let's go make a bunch of photocopies. No, each and every letter was crafted to the individual recipient. And so because I put that time into it, I called everybody and I was so overwhelmed with the amount of support. And because I was so overwhelmed and because it was such a a huge amount of support, I'm going to save that topic for another episode uh, coming up shortly. And so uh, I I was just overwhelmed and feeling blessed at the the support from all the family, all the friends. I mean, I did did lose a couple friends. Um, a couple family members are, you know, still raising their eyebrow, but, uh, I, 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 I'm close with my family, but I'm not close with my family. We, we live, uh, basically across the country, you know, not East West, but North South. And so we see each other, you know, every few years for, um, well, weddings, funerals, and holidays. <laughs> We're we're one of those types of families, and and you know we're functioning dysfunctionally. It works. Um. So I'm saying, you know, if they are rolling their eyes, so so what? I I see them every few years, and I I got my life to live. So after I had a chance to um. Uh, 
talked to everybody that I called and, um, I got, I mean, I did say overwhelming uh, support, but I mean, there were the questions of, you know, are you sure? Um, have you thought about this? Uh, uh, you never expressed a feminine side before, you know, all those, you know, typical questions that people seem to ask. Um, at least from my readings of blogs and watching video logs and things like that. Um, I, I got all that, of course, and, you know, I answered him honestly and truthfully and, you know, in the end, family supportive. It's, it's really quite amazing. And then I came out publicly uh, to everybody I know uh, on April 2nd, 2014, and I did it in the form of a video. I sat down, uh, recorded a, I think it ended up being about 14-minute video. And essentially the video was the letters, everything I wrote in the letter, but uh, I revamped it to be for a video. Uh, And I just literally read it verbatim and sent it out, posted it on my Facebook, and then crossed my fingers. And once again, the amount of support was tremendous. Um... It, it, the only thing I can compare it to that I know most, if not everybody, will understand is that moment in the movie or the story, It's a Wonderful Life, when George Bailey realizes how much he's loved. It's at, right at the end when everybody's bringing in the money. That moment. That's how amazing it felt to see the uh, 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 tremendous wave of support from from all, d- damn near everybody I know on Facebook, which was three roughly three hundred people. So so yeah, uh, I want to save the overwhelming support for another episode. Um, so that leads us up to now, basically. So I came out, and ever since then, I've been living full time as a woman. I, uh, I it's been uh, well. <laughs> I hate to say it's been a learning experience because, of course, it's been a learning experience. It's something I haven't really done all my life, but fits me and suits me so naturally. And that's the easiest way I can break it down is it just feels so natural and right. And it's been at this point that I'm recording, it's been just over six months that, I, that this has happened. And... I feel very blessed. I haven't really had any negative experiences. Um, through the LGBT center here in San Diego, I've met a large amount of wonderful people, um, and, uh, great friends, you know, uh, trans people and cis people and, or just gays and lesbian people. I mean, you know, that's, that's, they're there at the center, uh, and they're friendly. So it's just been a wonderful six months. Um, I haven't started HRT, which for those people that don't know is a short term, shorthand for uh, hormone replacement therapy or treatment. And, um, I haven't started that because, um, I have to quit smoking. <laughs> I mean, number of reasons, lots of reasons why, but, uh, number one reason is, uh, for, for me, you know, one of the, the factors of wanting to quit and where you put them on your list of what means more, um, well, HRT is there. And uh, 
I'm sure you you might be asking yourself, well, I see other trans people smoking. I mean, if you know that you see trans people smoking, um, it's just not really suggested. It's it's similar to uh, women who are on birth control pills or any sort of uh, uh, hormone birth control. Uh, it's just it 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 can inhibit some of the benefactors of the uh, hormone. It can cause blood clots, and that's the number one reason for me that I want to quit. Um, so that's 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 the monkey on my back right now, and it is a pain in the ass. I've been smoking for twenty one years now, and uh, it's it's something I want to do, but it's been with me so long, and it's such a friend that it is hard hard to give up. And uh, I'm working at it, but uh, there's 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 just a lot of triggers that happen, and it's really hard to fight those triggers. But I'm 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 going to because I'd like to by the end of this year start HRT, and if not, beginning of next year, which was in my timeline to begin with, um, when I uh, uh, came out. So so there's my timeline for HRT, and um. I guess the best thing now would be um, to play the audio of the video that I made, which is basically the letter that I sent out. And uh, in the show notes, I'll probably link the video as well, but um, this way you can hear it and uh, and get the gist of it without having to jump around to YouTube or something. And you'll hear, you'll hear sound effects in there, and that's because uh, of certain things I had on, certain graphics I had on the screen. Or certain facial expressions I made. Um, uh, and then, of course, you know, certain things I said. I used sound effects to punctuate it. So, um, uh, I'm just going to let that roll now. Hello, family members, extended family members, distant relatives, friends fans, general Facebook friends, and everyone else that has decided to watch this video. I suppose I could have written this information out in a Facebook update or a blog post or something like that, but uh, we all know that the written word can be heard uh, and interpreted in many different ways. So I figured it would be best to convey this information in my own voice, allowing you to see it and hear it directly from me. Now, before we dig into the meat and potatoes of this video, or if you're a vegetarian, the refried beans, or something like that, uh, whatever suits your fancy, um, I want to apologize right here, right now, at the very beginning, for any strange edits or jump cuts or anything like that. Uh, it's mostly due to the fact that I have little to no time for filming or editing, so... It is what it is. I'd also like to apologize for my lack of activity on my uh, podcast, The Random Variety Show, and my posting in general on Facebook and Twitter and all those other social media networks. Uh, and now, only so I don't forget anything, I've written out what I want to say. And uh, so if it seems like I'm reading from a script, well, <laughs> I am. So, moving right along. First, thank you again for watching this. And I hope and I highly encourage you to watch it all the way to through to the end without skimming. 
because there's a lot of information in here that I want to share with you. And I'm going to do my best to keep it short and moving along, which is one of the reasons for a script. Second, as you watch this, please do your best to view and listen to it as if this video was made for only you. Imagine that you and I are at a coffee shop or a park or on a walk or maybe in your home or on Skype even. Basically some location where you and I would feel comfortable having a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. Because even though this video is made for many, many different people, I really am trying to make it only for you. Third, now here comes the meat and potatoes, or refried beans. Um, what I'm about to share with you has plagued me all my life, and the easiest way that I can relate these feelings to you is this. Try to think back to a time in grade school, somewhere around second, third, or maybe even fourth grade. Uh, now, this may be easier for some of you, while others may need a little bit more concentration and memory work. So all I can say is just give it your best try. So. Try to remember back to grade school when you were developing social skills and trying to find the, the right group of people to hang out with and the, the right circle of individuals to become friends with. And in fact, I'm going to give you a moment to think about that. Got it? Good. Okay, so as I was saying, most people have figured out where and how they fit into society by the time they reach high school. Others, not until college and others still further into life. While some may never figure it out and feel awkward and antisocial their entire lives. In fact, some people even develop facades or defense personas to help them cope and deal with society. Personally, I feel that this propelled and supported my passion for the dramatic arts by using it to help define my own personality and persona through the years. Fourth, Three benchmark events have occurred over the last year and a half. And they are, in order, my 40th birthday, the birth of my son, and the passing of my mother. These three events caused me to reflect back on many things in my life. Things like education, employment, romantic relationships, friendships, family relations, financial dilemmas, and self-identification. Now, I realize that most of these topics can easily fall under the stereotypical midlife crisis category, but the definition of midlife crisis does not feel like it fits what I've been feeling and, and thinking and experiencing for more than half my life. So, uh, turning to Google, and before that, just any internet search engine, and I started to search for answers. Well, at least a starting point to help find some answers. And after quite a few long years of reading, researching, and corresponding through forums, plus about six months of professional therapy, I have come to the conclusion that I am a transgender person. But in actuality, I've been searching for these answers all my life. In the last few years, there have been a lot of news stories and articles about people who are transgender, coupled with other information and stories scattered across the internet in the forms of blogs, videos, podcasts, picture albums, social media posts, and forums. All the information and opinions out there can be very challenging or, or even difficult to sift through, if not impossible to sift through, to find honest, 
non-sexual, non-biased, or hate-filled information about people who are transgender. Here is an excerpt from GLAD.org pertaining to the definition of transgender people that I personally find most suitable. And I'll try to place a link for it somewhere in the frame here. Uh, if it's not there, go to the YouTube page that this is posted on and uh, look in the description. Transgender is an umbrella term for people whose gender identity differs from what is typically associated with the sex they were assigned at birth. Gender identity is someone's internal, personal sense of being a man or a woman or someone outside of that gender binary. For transgender people, the sex they were assigned at birth and their own internal gender identity do not match. Trying to change a person's gender identity is no more successful than trying to change a person's sexual orientation. It doesn't work. So, most transgender people seek to bring their bodies more into alignment with their gender identity. People under the transgender umbrella may describe themselves using one or more of a wide variety of terms, including transgender, transsexual, or genderqueer. Always use the descriptive term preferred by the individual. Transgender people may or may not alter their bodies hormonally and or surgically, and a transgender identity is not dependent upon medical procedures. Transgender is an adjective and should never be used as a noun. Rather than saying, Max is a transgender, say, Max is a transgender person. And transgender never needs an ED at the end. This can be found at glad.org forward slash transgender forward slash trans 101. To learn more, I suggest glad.org as a good starting point on the internet. So, what does all this mean to me? Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of this video, we all have a period of self-discovery. Some find it early in life, some find it later. Obviously, I'm one of those people who has continued to explore my self-expression, my self-identity, and how I fit into society throughout my life. Therefore, after 25 plus years of seriously trying to figure myself out and about six months of professional therapy, I have embraced the fact that I have GID, gender identity dysphoria, or just GD, gender dysphoria, which is the clinical term for people like me. So during 2014, I will start transitioning my gender identity from male to female. Remember, gender identity is not related to sexual orientation. Now, I'm sure you're pondering, how is this affected or will affect Rebecca and our son Andrew? Well, as of this recording, Drew is only 18 months old. And it's 2014, people, for crying out loud. There are a large number of people who have ALGBT parent or parents and there are many personal stories published on the internet showing that the children of LGBT parents are no different than children of non-LGBT parents. My choice to transition does not affect my ability to be a good parent. Children see the person, not the gender. Now for Rebecca. She was surprised, naturally, uh, when I came out to her and informed her of my choice to live and identify as a woman. 
But through many, many weeks filled with questions and a ton of heart-to-heart -heart conversations, she has come to embrace my choice, and we plan to continue our loving, trusting marriage together for many years to come. And if you'd like to know more about her thoughts, please contact her directly. Now, what does all this mean to you? Well, as I addressed you at the very beginning of this video, you're either a family member or an extended family member, a distant relative, a friend, a fan, a general Facebook friend, or someone else who I consider to be dear and close to my family. And I would like to continue our friendship in the future, which is why this video was brought to your attention in the first place. Please know that I have been struggling with this since I was early in my teens. I know in my heart that this is the right choice for me. And I would like for us to remain friends as I transition. Now, I'm aware that some people, including you, may not be able to accept or, or handle my choice to identify as a woman. All I need from you is the same friendship and support and love that made us able to call each other friends in the first place. If my choice to transition negatively affects our friendship and you are no longer able to provide friendship, support, and love, then I understand completely. And I accept and respect your choices. And I hope that we can reconnect later in life. I am open to positive and non-judgmental questions and conversations. You can send a message through my Facebook or this YouTube channel. Fifth and last, I promise. On top of everything I just told you, which I know is a lot, many other things have popped up into our lives. First, we've been trying to move, and this is an entirely different story in and of itself. But in a nutshell, uh, the place we're moving to has required a ton more work and repairs than we first anticipated. And so that's taken up a lot more time than we first expected. And it has really delayed our moving. But I'm happy to say that we completed our move as of March 2nd, 2014. And we're still unpacking boxes and getting settled. Number two. In January, a very dear friend of mine passed away. Um, someone I considered to be a second mother. And so uh, that took a lot out of me, both uh, emotionally and physically, and just energy and time and all. So... That ate up time to do things. And number three, from the end of December, all three of us have been fighting colds off and on. We've been passing it around, sharing it back and forth, and that has just... you For a period of about three weeks, one of us was in bed trying to recover, while the other one was watching Drew. And number four, I know that me coming out as transgender might come as a big surprise to a lot of people, but... You have to remember that I've been holding this inside for basically all my life. Uh, almost to the point of running from it. And it's been a huge internal struggle. So if it does come off as a surprise, I, I apologize. I don't mean it to. It just happened. Well, I, uh, I'd like to thank you for watching this all the way through to the end. And again, please forgive any weird, awkward edits or transitions. 
pun intended. Um, thank you for your continued support and friendship. Thank you for being part of my life. And thank you for being you. Thanks again. And I'll see you later. Right. Well, hey, we've been going for a while. Um, that's it for now. And uh, next episode, uh, I'm going to talk about why I titled this podcast Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. And with that, I just want to say thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you next time. You've been listening to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. I'd love to hear from you. So let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast or at the website changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com Don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcatcher and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, First, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2014 by me, Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. <laughs>